Welcome to the Delano Newsmakers podcast, bringing context to the stories that matter in Luxembourg. I'm Jess Baldry, and today we take a look at Cattenham, a small French town about 15 kilometres away from Luxembourg's border. Cattenham is located on the Maginot Line, the defensive fortifications that were built in the 1930s to deter a German invasion. Today, though, it's the site of a different kind of power battle. What to do with its ageing nuclear power station? It could happen. The chances are really small. I want to say that. It's not that like tomorrow uh, we are sure that uh, an accident will occur in power plant in Katnum, but it can exist. It, it happened in Fukushima. It's really different. It's not comparable, but it happened in a country that is rich, Technology is big in Japan, but it happened. That was Julian Becker, co-director of Anne Zero, a new docu-movie about what would happen if there were an accident at Cattenham Nuclear Power Station. Julian, for those not familiar with Cattenham, can you please describe the power station, its location, how long it's been there and why was it built so close to the Luxembourg border? The Katnam nuclear power plant has been in existence since around 86. It took a bit more time to finish the whole facility, but yeah, it started in 86. It's a rather big facility because the, it's the eighth uh, nuclear power plant in terms of power in the world. Why was it built in that location? I would say the main reason is the proximity of the river, the Moselle, because the water is needed for the power plant to work. And the other point would be that the region in France, where they build it, has a low density of population. So, And that's one point that needs to be there to be allowed to build a nuclear facility in, a, in a one place. Now, it's true that the power plant is close to the border and it's not the only one that is close to a border with another country but there is no official reason why that's the case. Uh, in Europe each country is uh, sovereign with its uh, energy choices so they can put the facility wherever they want and the neighbors don't have a word to say unless it has an impact on climate change and nuclear power the effect on the, on the climate change is really small. Now, your docu-movie examines what would happen if there were to be an accident at that site, which would probably make Luxembourg completely uninhabitable. And we recently marked the 10th anniversary of Fukushima and the 35th of Chernobyl. But I don't think that's the only reason people are questioning the site's safety. Can you tell us a bit more what is specific to the nuclear industry is that it's really under close scrutiny. So every incident that happened there is, uh, has to be made public. So that's why we, hear, we often hear that something happened in uh, Katnam, for example. And that it's because of the risks. It's, I think it's, uh, it's necessary that we have this transparency and that we know everything that happens there. Almost everything, I would say. But I think the main concern about this power plant is certainly its age. At the beginning, it was planned to be uh, in use for 30 years. Now the 
officials are saying that that was never really the case. It was supposed to be every 10 years that they check again if they can continue to use it. But now uh, the power plant is 35 years old and uh, they are planning to push it to a lifespan of uh, 40 years, 50 years. And that's, for me personally, the main problem because I think the facility cannot be as secure when it's new than uh, when it gets older. I think problems occur. And that's one of the main reasons I think there should be more questions. When we see, it, for example, they are building in Flamanville their new power plants, the EPR, we say in French. They are struggling with the technology. It was supposed to be launched in 2012. We are now at 2021 and the costs have exploded and they still don't know when they will start the facility. It should be in 2023, but it's not sure. So when I see that they are struggling with the new technology, I'm not really confident with yeah, the older facilities. There's also been a lot of other criticism from other parts of society. There's been uh, demonstrations and things like that. There was the Greenpeace stunt. Yeah, the demonstrations were really big in the 80s. Greenpeace, for example, is still uh, really active on the subject. And uh, yeah, they showed in 2017 that you can get into this power plant. And if you have a bad plan, then perhaps you can get in there. So that's another subject that is really touchy and yeah, security. There are a lot of uh, different aspects of this uh, power plant. Some areas are really secure, others less. And so I think it's not just like wind energy or solar energy. I think there are much bigger risks on a facility like this than on the, yeah, renewable energies, for example. Now, back in 2016, iodine pills were issued to households within a certain distance of the facility. Now, iodine helps to reduce the damage that radiation does to the body after a nuclear accident. They were given to people near Fukushima after the reactor accident in 2011. So I imagine that it might be quite surprising, perhaps even frightening for the locals to receive those pills. Do you remember what the reaction was at the time? One point that is important also with these iodine pills that they are effective uh, if you are younger than 40 years. Afterwards, it's better not to take them. Uh, it's important for children because when you are over 14, your thyroid is already filled with uh, iodine, stable iodine. Mm. So when I got these pills at the time, I think I was probably like most people. It's like a reminder. You get a reminder that there is a risk. There could be something, a big accident or a small accident, but you get these pills, so they don't give them just for fun. But I think most people just continue their life. So it was a reminder, a short reminder, and then daily life comes back and you don't think every day that there could be a big accident. So, yeah, you just continue your life and... Yeah, you have your pills on the side, but you don't think every day about the, the risk. And I think that's probably very typical of people living close to Cattenham because it is there, but you have to have this cognitive dissonance to continue with your life, right? Yeah. Most people, I think, don't really 
see a risk. I think we all have are pretty confident that they just know how to secure the place. So we don't really think there is a big risk. And yeah, everyday life makes that you cannot think about this every day. Some people are perhaps more affected by the fear of this uh, power plant. But I think most people just, yeah, they just carry on because they cannot <laughs> be afraid every day. Now, the movie that you made is available in French and German dubbed version on Arte. Now, it has a fictional element with characters. I found it quite believable with the people not paying attention to the advice to stay indoors and just getting in their cars. What did you hope to show in the fictional part? We have a lot of documentaries about nuclear energy that are very interesting. But we were thinking that if we want to get people involved and touched by the topic, we need some emotion and some uh, characters you can relate to. That's why we got this fiction part. And what we are showing in the movie is just one scenario, one script. We just imagined the biggest accident. And we just projected ourselves in the situation. So what would we do in the situation? For example, would you really leave your kids at school if you are told to do so? I'm not sure I would. I think I would go to school and get, try to get my, my child back. Mm. And I think it's also true nowadays with the social media. Everything goes fast and the information gets really fast to people. So what happened in, in, the, in the past in Fukushima or even more in, um, in Chernobyl is really not comparable with what could happen here because it's really uh, different technology and uh, yeah the situation is really not the same so we cannot say it would be an accident exactly like Chernobyl that's not possible but no one can say nothing could happen no one can could say it's so secure that there is absolutely no risk we just try to imagine what would happen if in the worst case scenario so yeah what would people do I think in our countries, people don't always follow the rules, don't always follow what the authorities are saying. So that's what we tried to show in the movie. Now for the documentary part, you and the team interviewed people from different parts of society, including the energy minister, Claude Turmes, and the environment minister, Carol Dieschbohr, both of which are members of the Green Party and strong critics of nuclear energy. But we know that Luxembourg uses energy generated from other countries, including France. It also seems that Luxembourg is powerless to tell its neighbours what to do. Is there anything that Luxembourg can do about this situation? And does it have a realistic plan if such a thing were to happen? I would say that um, Luxembourg, politics in Luxembourg, are trying for years to get this facility, this power plant closed. Uh, they do their best. Um, our prime minister offered uh, to contribute economically to the closure of this uh, nuclear power plant. So th they are really trying. But as I said, every country in Europe is um, sovereign on its energy choices. So there is nothing we can do 
You can only discuss with them, try to get them to close it and to have some kind of lobbying to put pressure on them, perhaps. And it's certain that uh, Luxembourg is perhaps a bit small to do this alone. But uh, I know that the politics in Luxembourg are trying to get uh, allied with uh, Germany, for example. They are trying to get Germany on board to, to put pressure on France to get these older power plants closed. So they are trying. They do their best. I don't know if it's enough. I don't know what do people want. What, what do the people who live in this area want? If they are okay with the power plant still being used, then perhaps we should do nothing about it. But if it's really a problem for them, perhaps they have also to to act, like in the 80s, perhaps do demonstrations. I don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, people should try to get their opinion also out and yes, say what they want. What could Luxembourg do if an accident would happen? There is a real plan, but I think such a catastrophic accident cannot be planned. They cannot have uh, like hundreds of buses uh, in standby. They cannot have uh, camps that already exist in other countries to get the people there who need to to get far away from, from the, the accident. So I think they do their best. But if something really bad happens, I'm not sure they can really plan it. Now, this is a very polarizing topic. I don't need to tell you that. Even your co-director... Miriam Tonelotto wanted to have her name removed from the credits because a part examining the effects of radiation on the body was removed from the final cut. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It's a complicated topic because uh, when you you work with a team, it's never easy to have everyone agree with the positions that you are trying to defend or to sh- what you show in a movie. Uh, in our case, it's um, co-production with a broadcaster. So uh, it's not like um, we could do whatever we want and say whatever we want. It's a, we, it's a collaboration. We had a plan uh, from the beginning, from 2016. It was to show what would happen if a country like Luxembourg would disappear perhaps not completely, but partly disappear, what would be the effect? It was never the case that we wanted to show the effects of uh, radioactivity on the body. It could be a part of it, but was never the main focus of the project. But for my co-director, it became the most important topic. And she wanted to have it in the end of the movie. And for us, when I say us, I mean the broadcaster, the producer and me as a co-director, it didn't work like it was done. Because what she was trying to say is that it was an important point, an interesting point, but I think it was a topic that was, was big enough to make an own movie about it. And it is that she thinks that and other people, uh, scientists and people that are interviewed in the movie are thinking that as well, that the, the radiations are not the, the worst. The worst is all the economic and uh, social impact of the catastrophe. 
It's not the radiations. That's what, that was what she was trying to say. But for us, it was not explained enough. And it came in the movie, you have one person who is dying because of the radiations. But it's really because he is really going back to places where he should not go. Uh, we are not trying to say that everyone, everybody would have cancer and that everybody would die. That's not the case in the movie. But you cannot have then a part that is saying that radiation is really not a problem. So that was our main uh, point where we disagreed and other some smaller cuts. But uh, yeah, and she decided to yeah stop collaborating on the project. We gave her the possibility to get her documentary parts out on YouTube. So if you want really to see what she wanted to say, you can. You just have to search for her on YouTube. I didn't realise you started this in 2016. So it must it's a long journey. It's just come out, I think, a month or two ago. Yeah. Um, what, what are the takeaways for you? I'm pretty like most people who watch the movie, I think. I don't have a big knowledge on nuclear energy, on the topic what would happen if... So I learned a lot from the interviews, um, but I realized that, yeah, if something really big would happen, it would be a massive disaster. Uh, I think if you think how many people would be affected, it's not only Luxembourg, it would be in Germany, France, Belgium, and we are talking about around 4 million people. Where would they go? What would really happen? Can we really plan something? if it happens. So, yeah, I think it cannot be a t topic that we just have in our mind and that we don't debate on it. What other reactions have you received since the film was first aired? The reactions are really polarised, I would say. You have people who really believe in nuclear energy. Uh, I can understand this because we have climate change. What and that's the most important topic right now. And what are the solutions if we don't use nuclear energy? And there are some debates, but now, for example, uh, I know that uh, Luxembourg has done a study on could we live without cadmium and get our energy without cadmium? Apparently, yes, but I think we need more of these studies and to. Yeah, to have to make our choice. What what do we want, the people, and not only the politics, but everybody? What do we want? Um, reactions have been yeah mixed. You have like people who say it's nonsense that could never happen in Katnam. Other people who was who said okay, now I'm aware that there is a big risk, and yeah, I just put it in one corner of my head but uh, I saw so that now a petition has been introduced to the government to have people more informed about what they should do if something happened. So I think the majority of people wants more information. That's what I see now when people are talking to me. They, that's what they say. They would like to know more. Julian, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can listen to all our podcasts on Delano.lu and on all podcast platforms. And subscribe to the Delano newsletter for all the latest Luxembourg news in English. Sign up on Delano.lu.